Podcast, a division of Space Action Heroes, a webcomic you can find at spaceactionheroes.com. I am Chris Carson. And I'm Denise Owen Shama. Bum, bum, bum. And this week, <laughs> I don't know what that what was. was that? <laughs> I wanted to make a noise. That's the first thing that came to my head. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this week, we are going to look back, turn the clocks back. 20 years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talk about a time before household internet smartphones yeah a time before black presidents yeah dial up it would take a good hour to download the poster for this movie remember how long it took it to watch the fucking trailer for this fucking thing god damn I remember downloading this trailer and, and I kept it on like a floppy disk so it yes! had to be less than like a megabyte <laughs> yes we're talking about the infamous Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace cue clip You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The Force is unusually strong with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. That was a hell of a clip. Oh, man. um, Let's talk about the first viewing of it. Did you see it in theaters? Fuck yeah. How old were you? Twelve. I was 17. Now, I, I, I'm sure people, maybe some people don't know, like, you think the hype for Endgame was big. Oh, fuck. This was the biggest thing in the world. This was like, because Endgame at least had to spend 10 years building up speed. We've been waiting 15 years for this. It was like adults, children, and priests were carving the Star Wars logo into their faces, like the oh, yeah. second coming of Christ was happening. You watch any of those um, behind the scenes from, from its release, and people are going bonkers. People going... were camped out for months for those tickets, months. man. Out the, out there was no the internet. Cold. so like, in the summer, so... Yeah, there was, there was, there was no... Oh, yeah. You couldn't pre-order tickets, so there's people... You couldn't pick You couldn't... Yeah, there was like around uh, Grom's Chinese Theater, there was this massive line of tents. Mm-hmm. That one, it was a phenomenal on this fucking movie. And now it's funny because, like, maybe they were as sycophantic back then. We were just too little to realize. But Mm. when you see people freaking out over episode 8 or episode Mm 9 or or whatever, it feels so much more disingenuine in a way. It's almost like, it's like when you look at these Comic-Cons and they're like political rallies where, Mm. like, Catherine Kennedy comes out and they're all yelling and screaming like she's a presidential nominee and sure. she can say and do no wrong and if you question this episode 8 you'll get fucking chewed out by mm-hmm. a true fan 
But back then it was just everyone. There was no, it wasn't nerd culture. Nerd culture was this tiny little sliver of counterculture back yep. then. Yep. If you met someone who was into Star Wars or Star Trek, you had an immediate friend. It yep. wasn't like every fucking idiot had it on their t-shirt. And when I was a kid, man, I remember that was one of the staples of like maybe three out of four of my best friends. You know what I mean? Like the ratio was we likely met because one of us was wearing a Star Wars yep. t-shirt. And there's like, that's my new best friend. Yeah. For me, it was Star Trek. If you were into Trek, because Trek was never as big as Star Wars. Yeah. So it was much more of a niche market. But, um... Yeah, the, I think the insanity felt a little more genuine back then because it was just, it was like moms and dads and like plumbers and, and electricians there was or movie guys. Parallel to that. Everyone was going to see the new Star Wars because Star I- Wars was a cultural phenomenon. And also at that point, the idea of resurrecting an IP that was that big back then was yep. unheard of. Like you're bringing back fucking Star Wars? Yeah. And also... Like you're going to show the story of Darth Vader? What the yeah. fuck? Like, and the idea that we'd already known we had episode 4, 5, and 6 mm-hmm. since 1978 when they did the first second theatrical run and added the subtitle New Hope to it. Yeah. Um, we knew there was one, two, and three out there somewhere. Yep, yep. Intangibly out there somewhere. I remember as a little kid, my I went to bed once when Star Wars was playing on the TV and my siblings taunted me and said that they showed a, a clip of episode one. And I was freaked out. I didn't realize for so long that they were fucking with me. I remember being a kid and having the uh, Steve Sansweet Star Wars encyclopedia that like Bible of oh, all yeah, the yeah. expanded the, universe stuff. Black stars with them fighting with them on front. the cover. Yeah, one that. of my favorite pieces of liter of fictional literature ever. If you ever tell time just to find that in the library and flip through it, oh, it's great. Such good stuff, man. It's all just a bunch of creative writers just coming with uh, some great stuff, like you know the Shadows of the Empire saga. Mm-hmm. Some terrible stuff, like them cloning Luke Skywalker from his severed hand to make oh, a clone yeah. called Luke, Luke with two U's. There was an Emperor clone too. There was an Emperor clone. The idea of the clone. Oh, remember again? We were talking in the last podcast about the mystery of the space jockey. The mystery of the Clone Wars. Yep, that was fucking. We all, huge. Pin- yeah, because I remember the only I- information we got was like, "What is that guy standing next to ba- Darth Vader wearing?" In the sequel to Star Wars, and it was like, "Oh, him? That's Boba Fett. He's an intergalactic bounty hunter who belongs to the Mandalorians, Mandalorians. a group of people who fought the Jedi during the Clone Wars." And it was just like, "Nope, not anymore." And then all of a sudden, you're just like, "Ben Kenobi fought Boba Fett's? Like, what are you talking about?" Yep. Um, so that, I remember what was so cool about the Phantom Mass is like, we're finally going to get answers to all this stuff. And I remember as a kid watching the movie the first time. And of course you're just filled with excitement the second they say Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. they show a Jedi, they bust out a lightsaber. Oh, that original trailer that they're now aping for uh, episode nine. Yeah. Every generation, Every generation has, a has a legend. That trailer, I, I was so excited for Jar Jar. Oh, dude. The robots. The, this, the, when I saw the battle droids unfold in the field. Yep. I was like, this is what Star Wars looks like now? This is amazing. I remember printing up the poster and taking it to school. And this is before it came out, so it would have been 15, turning 16. Mm -hmm. And going, see this guy? He's a completely computer-generated character. How mind-blowing is that? A computer made him. Yeah, they're going to interact with him in the movie. Like, imagine the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, but it's a character. Dude! Yeah. And we should have known with that original teaser trailer of, here's the people going to die. That's right, that's right. We should have known, but I don't know. I remember being in line at a Comic-Con in Montreal. I think it might have been the very same one. If you, I have a picture of me dressed as a Jedi as a little kid. I have pictures with Kenny Baker and, mm-hmm. and oh, sweet. Jeremy Bullock. Um, that one was right before The Phantom Menace was coming out. And as you wait in the queue, they had a bunch of TVs on those little like elementary school towers just showing the trailer on a over loop. And over and over. And we were all just glued to the yeah. screens. And I remember speculating, trying to figure out, you know, piecing together what's going on. I was convinced... 
the big green field with the robots was Alderaan, and she was the queen of Alderaan. Her daughter was going to be the princess of Alderaan. No Naboo. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I had no, like, I remember just trying to figure out what was going on. That little kid's Anakin Skywalker. That which looks, immediately raised an eyebrow. I was like, wait, why is Anakin a little? child, yeah. But I remember just being, I have, watching that movie the first time in theaters. I'm good with it. <sighs> Aside from the stupid fucking a- Asian stereotype aliens. Of course. Oh, that's right out of the gate. What, the what, second what's one. the one line where he's like, we will not report to him until there is something to report. Yeah. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the stupid talking robots. Aside from that, the first is third. legal? Sorry, I had to get that out. <laughs> the first third isn't bad setup. It's kind of just, like, it's interesting, like, okay, it's not, because when you hear Star Wars, the first one is a gut punch. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle of this civil war, she's got plans, they're trying to kill her, there's a super weapon, mm-hmm. we're on the clock, we gotta blow this thing up. There's none of that kinetic energy in Empire and Jedi, they just kind of, shit happens one to the next. Yeah. This one, you start with this weird negotiation above a planet we've never heard of. It was, yeah. You don't really get the correlation to the original trilogy until, oh, that's the, that guy looks a lot like the Emperor. They're playing his theme song. Yeah. It's got to be Ian McDermott under the hood. So that's the only surprise that trilogy had to offer was that he was the Emperor, but it was such... I imagine anyone, even not having seen the original trilogy, would have gotten that immediately. Right, right. <laughs> that, like, that, that dude was clearly... That dude With the, the same voice like, and butt chin. Yeah. Who you never see on so screen. they, like, focus in on the final shot as they're like saying who could the dark lord be <laughs> uh, when i first saw the movie i left i remember someone said what did you think i was like it's the greatest movie ever i was it was like shell shock mm-hmm. and it took me about six months before i before i started going this isn't good i think when it came out on video because back then you'd have to wait almost a full calendar year for stuff yep. to come out on home video and you'd go into blockbuster and see the pyramid of vhs tapes and yep. just bow down to it so after the movie came out, I was 17 when the movie came out in May, and then in uh, July or August, I moved to California, mm. and I stayed there for almost a year. And when I came back, it was out on home video. And I got the home video, and that's when I started going, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And I know a lot of people, I've been seeing, because it's the 20th anniversary this year, I've seen a lot of videos popping up, like, taking another look at, the, was the Phantom Menace as bad as we thought, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 the, the nostalgia glasses have not attached, affixed themselves to my face over this movie sure. yet. Or, like, I, I can't, I tried to watch it a few months ago. I was like, oh my I god, this still is. still haven't done that yet. I can't do it. I can't. I tried. I really tried being like, maybe this has aged well. Where does it fall apart for you? Um, okay, so. It was a shell shock after seeing it the first time, and I really didn't understand it was bad at first. Because yeah. I couldn't fathom a world where Star Wars was bad. But I do still remember the first time seeing it, as soon as they were like, Yes, you'll see our blockade is perfectly regal. Right at the beginning, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck's happening? Why are all the shots just stagnant and locked down? What is happening? <sighs> and I think that the first line, and even the girl was like, We're going! Like, the woman on the ship talks like this. She's like, I have the ambassadors here from, from the... Uh, from the oh, old republic, yeah, she's he's got a like, weird accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her voice is all strange, yeah. and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're all you got." And I remember that. I love how you're in a French. It was. It's a less offensive to do that than. Oh, I don't want to leave. Right. If I had to listen to one, I'll take the French one. Take the French one. But um, I, at that moment, even as a kid, I was like, "What is happening?" 
But then it ends on such a high note because there's the giant battle of Duel of the Fates yep. fighting Darth Maul, yep. who died. I remember even that. I was like, wait, you're fucking killing this guy? Yeah. Even as a kid, like, that what are you me. doing? And then the whole ending with the Emperor's theme all up-tempoed. Let's make no mistake, John Williams never phones it in, no matter no. what the movie is. We were talking about this earlier, um, um, that I think John Williams' episode one score is so much superior to his uh, uh, episode two score. Two's a weird one. Because I really feel like he came in and was like, well, I didn't understand Star Wars, and I don't understand this, so I'm just going to pour my heart into this score. Mm-hmm. And then I think after the movie came out, he was like, oh. <laughs> and then episode two feels like he did kind of phone it in, but I just feel like John Williams phoning it in is still better than 99% oh, yeah, of yeah, composers. Yeah. And then he really tried again for Revenge of the Sith because he thought this was the last the time last he was ever going to do yeah. Star Wars. Because Revenge of the Sith isn't a flowing uh, score. It's like piece of music after piece. It's like putting on a, a Brahms album. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. And um, that's great. But he also, this is also the dawning of the age of composers don't compose to the movie anymore. So there's so many edits in that score that's chopped wh- in. Remember whenever, because the, the original ones you can play them start to finish and it's pretty much the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Phantom Menace didn't get a proper two disc one. It Not until like five years. Had ago. that weird reflective Darth Maul cover. Yeah. No, it came out in like nineteen. It was definitely like around two thousand, maybe around Early the same 2000s? time. The the what do you call it? The cassettes came out. And I remember getting it because I had the original trilogy ones, and I played them ad nauseum. Oh, those cardboard ones. Yeah, with the little foldouts, the embossed covers, mm-hmm. and you could read all the, the liner booklet. notes. Yeah. So I got the Phantom Menace one, and I remember going through, like, you could hear every fucking ugly edit in this thing. And also, Some of them were bad. And a lot of the tracks were just two seconds long. They split them up into yeah. little segments because that's how they were compressed together. It, that bit is, it, like, a two-second track. Yes! And you're just like, oh, this is just pointing out how janky this movie yeah. is. I remember having a similar experience watching it. It might have been at home. I, I saw this movie six times in theaters, dude. This was always back. I also, I only saw the once because I moved to California. This was also back in the day when movies were four bucks, and if you just had two yeah. hours to kill with your friend on a Saturday, you could just wander into I a sure theater. Miss those days. Yep, ours was cool in Brookdale Cinemas in Cornwall. They had a bunch of like old, uh, like very graphic, almost Andy Warhol cutouts of uh, uh, black and white lithographs of um, famous people, and one of them was Darth Vader. Oh, nice! So it was kind of cool. It was like, oh, we're coming full circle. We're yeah, going yeah. in to go see it's like Star the Enterprise. It hangs at the Scotiabank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I remember watching it, because again, like, that movie's good at hitting action beats, so when you're 12, you're like, a pod race, two lightsaber blades, fucking that space battle, I was satisfied. Pod race is still great, but the game is so much more it's fun. It's so much better. I yeah. fucking that love that pod race. That, if that's what it took, was for me to sit through 15 minutes of that, so you could sell me 17 hours yeah. on that game, I'll take it. It's so good. Um, but having said that, I remember watching it at home, and it took me probably until about four or five years ago to put it into words but I'm like this doesn't feel like Star Wars like oh. they're saying lightsaber they're showing me Jedi's that's Yoda but that's R2-D2 but this doesn't feel like it. and what it really was is that the original trilogy has this thing about and count, let me put it this way count the number of times in the first original trilogy they say the word friends Mm. Your friend Captain Solo, you'll be able to save your friends. Like, everyone's someone's friend. They really build that camaraderie of, like, these are your three heroes. Mm-hmm. They cruise around this ship. That's Chewie. There's R2. This is your team. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be friends at first, but they learn to work together, and they become, like, this superpower. They like, galvanize as the trilogy goes mm-hmm. on. I don't know what is being introduced in that first movie. Midichlorians. You know what the I Jedi mean? The Jedi is a sexless, weird monk race. Yeah. I'm like, I, like, what are you trying to set up? Like, Naboo never comes up the rest of that no, trilogy. Other like, than in the special edition of Jedi. 
That's it. That's it. Like, why was the entire predication, like, your answer to someone has super weapon plans where you have to blow this Death Star up to give this trilogy hope, your answer to that was corrupt shadowy dude taking over his home planet? That's the plot of this movie? I honestly feel like George, like, because, like, I don't know. It's, again, a double-edged sword with episode one and George Lucas because I appreciate that he wanted it to be completely different from the original movies. But at the same time, I know it was because he understood the most money he makes is from toys. Yeah. So he wanted all new toys to yeah. sell everyone. And I appreciate that he wanted to do something completely different. It wanted to almost be like Caesar's rise to power. Yes. It was internal conflict. Very medieval. But then it really felt like he just got lazy. Like that scene where he's like, oh, here's the script. And there's a lot of, they fight. And it's like 50 pages long. Yeah. And like, so... You'd think in this these movies, a lightsaber fight between characters has to be charged with meaning. Yeah. But you when you're literally writing the words, they fight, yeah. then you're not understanding your own franchise. And also, like, the fact that, you know, in the original trilogy, when you saw a lightsaber bust out, it was like, I'm Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare. You're like, this is the moment we've been waiting There's for. Everywhere. Literally, in the next, this trilogy, like, they're breaking cups with those things, they're cutting through doors yeah, and all this stuff. Yeah, they take away the mystique of it. And you're like, okay, so th- I get, they're utilitarian now. Uh. My only problem, I just... Again, I don't want to be those dudes who, like, oh, what I would have done. I'm not George Lucas. I, I think we should end a... this with what our Star Wars prequel story would have oh, been. Oh, I got a good one. Because I got a good one, too. Yeah. Um, I just, I find it's a weird choice to making the first one in your medieval tragic love story. If this, He says he had it planned all along. I really feel like he's still making up movie by movie. Let me make a note of that for later. John Williams proved he didn't have a plan. I would say the whole thing is just a weird first step. I'm like, what threads are you laying out to be pulled later on? You should have fucking backed off and let other people do part two and three. Exactly. Yeah. I really feel like, if anything, if you had to start somewhere, why the hell wasn't it just Anakin and Obi-Wan as Masters and Prentice right. the whole time? So you build that friendship so when they fall apart, it's a lot more tragic. Or I, make episode one like 10,000 generations earlier and then episode oh, two and three, cool. the fall of, of Skywalker. That would have been really cool. That would have been neat, right? Just one movie setting up the, the whole world. Just a little conflict or something. Yeah, yeah, that would have been badass. And you know why it was he waited until 1999 to make this movie? It had nothing to do with his creative spark or waiting to tell a story. He waited for the toy license to expire uh-huh. for the company that was making toys because he wanted to get more of the money from the toys. Makes sense. So he literally was like a month after the license expired because they were like, well, we're not going to renew this license. There's no new Star Wars. And he waited for that moment to make new Star Wars. But um, John Williams proves there was never a plan. There's tons of things that prove there was never yeah. a plan. Oh, yeah. But the, one of the most damning ones is John Williams talking about Duel of the Fates. Because he wanted to use Duel of the Fates as the new opening crawl music. And George said, no, we want it's a Star Wars movie, you need Star Wars music. And he went, but that's Luke's theme. Luke's theme is the opening crawl, mm-hmm. so it shouldn't be used for the prequels. And George Lucas said, trust me, this theme just being like the Jedi fatalistic fight plays into the next two movies... So you re- we're going to be reusing this theme. We're going to like em- enhance it and em- embrace it in different ways. Mm-hmm. There's a big plan for it, and so that's what kind of talked John Williams down from demanding it be the opening crawl. And then literally, it's crammed into the uh, Emperor and Yoda's fight in Episode Three really awkwardly for no apparent reason. Hold on, now you're missing the intense moment where Anakin Skywalker's on a random ass bike oh, going yeah. through Tatooine looking for his mom. Apparently, that's a duel of fates in some fucking form, some fashion. He didn't know. He didn't. He, had, he he was out of ideas, and he's a smart guy, but I think he's a vindictive little asshole too. Mm. And I think he's a liar. 
Like, I think he, he is, like, I have people, I won't point any fingers, but there's people in my family who habitually lie about things. Mm-hmm. It's just one person, but I'm not going to go any further than that. And so they'll say, like, oh, I'll take my helicopter to come visit you earnestly. And you're like, you're, like, on, like, welfare and shit. Like, you can't, like, where is this insanity coming mm-hmm. from? And I noticed that a lot about George Lucas interviews, where he's just saying the thing that pops into his mind in the moment that validates whatever point he's trying to make, but that could be completely opposite sure. of, of the larger picture of things he said before. Right. He just says says what he needs to say. And he's a smart guy. He went to school for philosophy and, like, psychology, so he was clearly trying to work that in mm-hmm. to these new movies, but just failed. Yeah. So miserably at it. And, what I, like, when you look at a dude who reboot, like, I think about George Miller. Same guy, same franchise, comes back to Mad Max, decades later, reboots, and you're like, oh, you've been paying attention. Yeah. You've looked at modern movies that are being made. How can I apply this new mm-hmm. framing to my old franchise? Mm-hmm. Dude didn't do any of that. I don't think he like, knew what he was doing. He wrote a script lazily. And then piece it together, and then it's you've seen probably all the same behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. I have, where he's at the screening just talking about how he went old far in places, and how it's like this is a new avant garde type of cinema. It's going to take people a while to embrace it, and everyone was like, "Well, no one expected Star Wars. No one expected the first Star Wars." Blah blah blah, and everyone was just trying to convince themselves that it wasn't a giant clusterfuck. Well, also the problem with that line of thinking is that, like, I think we mentioned this on the last podcast, is that. Whenever you're inhibited by time and money and budget constraints and, like, a lot of crippling self-doubt, like, I don't know, a fucking tornado in Tunisia, a flood for the first right, right. years in Tunisia, yeah. wiping out your entire production makes you work crew. harder. Back in 1976, that makes you work way fucking harder. Mm-hmm. But whenever someone's just like, you're making a new Star Wars, <laughs> here's a pile of money. Mm-hmm. Do what you want. You own the company that does the effects, so you get the owner's discount. You yep. own everything. It's independently produced. There's no... only He only gave Fox the distribution rights out of respect that they did the original three. He was going to release it as just completely under the Lucasfilm Lucas banner. And... Uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's just such a confusing first step. Yeah. Just like The Force Awakens, actually, what now that I think about what it. What would you take? Would you take weird Lucas nonsense or highly s- oversaturated market research Disney schlock? That's And that's the thing is there are two sides of the same coin of just being like we're trying to ride the coattails of something that came out right. 40 years ago. One is one man's vision, Ugh. but it's a shitty vision. The other is a corporate product. Yeah. I don't and, know. Which... And also the corporate product, what I don't like about it is that it hits the same beats as the original thing. Exactly the same beats. Like at least Phantom Menace, you watch that, you're like, well, I didn't expect any of that shit to happen. For right? better or worse, I didn't expect any of that shit to happen. I did not see Midichlorians coming. Did you ever hear his original idea for part 7, 8? Or eight, nine. Wasn't it like a microscopic adventure or something? It was the Wills. Because originally the Jedi were called the Wills or something. Uh And so the Medichlorians were in fact going to be the way the Wills, W H I L S, um, uh, communicated with the physical third dimensional realm, but they were like this spiritual alien race. Okay. And they were the force. They were the glue. It was like the glue that bound the universe, but they were conscious. Okay. And so then yeah, old Luke with his Jedi young Jedis and this whole new generation of people with the old characters were going to go into unknown space or the uncharted regions or whatever Mm -hmm. and learn all about these wills and it was going to become almost like a like a like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing or something where they go into this into this world Essentially, and the quantum realm. Quantum, yeah, yeah. it's like he, he was the quantum realm, but it had a consciousness, it had an awareness, and that is—I can't even picture like that's bizarre. Like, that's really strange. But it's like it's great. It's just, that is one weirdo's idea for yeah. Star Wars, and like no fan can come up with this because they just remake, you know, A New Hope ten times. 
I imagine it would have been impossible to watch. But I do have to give it a thumbs up for just how bizarrely creative and original it is. It's a weird thing. Cause like, and if you find the original novelization of Star Wars, there's a whole gray... It's essentially a paraphrase of the uh, prequel trilogy before he went into the details. Into, yeah. Where it's like there's this corrupt senator named Palpatine. He mm-hmm. was influenced by the dark side. And he wasn't really a bad guy. I don't think it's ever mentioned the Sith were controlling the Senate. It's just it that there, s- there was just corruption. There was just... Yeah, it, it was, was just corrupt in the uh, bureaucracy. And, and the all. Sith weren't Jedi. No, no, no. Yeah, completely different. Just a weird form of, like, dark force users. No no lightsabers and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But um, what was so interesting about it was that I, it kind of felt like, okay, so if this is number four, this is the civil war for the fight for the throne, if you will, for the it's, control of the galaxy. See the Empire Was the first one's about it falling apart, which in a weird, tragic love story trilogy, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. How would the hell is the third trilogy this microscopic quantum realm adventure? How does that bring resolution to the other yeah. two trilogies? It's so fucking weird. I think he pulled it out of his ass at one point and said <laughs> that that was going to be my, my story. Did you hear, by the way, the potential uh, plot leaks from episode nine? No. Do you want to? Spoilers a, for anyone listening. Well, there's a 50-50 chance this is real, and if it's, I I listen to it with this with because the guy saying if this isn't real, it's fine. If it is real, you're gonna be glad to know this, so you're prepared for the. Let's put a potential spoilers mark. Here. Potential we'll, we'll, we'll spoilers. Put a time jump thing. Very well, could be completely false, completely bullshit. But apparently, uh, the rise of Skywalker is that um, uh, it's like five years later. And Ray wants to get the communicator, um, uh, like dish rod thing from the first Death Star, because it's the only thing that can send out a signal to the whole galaxy, and it's a message from Luke Skywalker telling everyone to just like be good and brush their teeth and shit. <laughs> and the, the only thing. And the whole thing is it's it's like a road trip movie of of both of them trying to get to this. The uh, Kylo Ren and the group of good guys trying to get to this communications satellite in order to stop. And the Death Star is the only one with it. Yeah, and then the Emperor is just like a recording or something. He's not actually even in it. And uh, what was the other thing? I think Kylo Ren dies. I think that was yeah, the surprise. I think there's no way for that character to go. I'm missing that, some points. There was other points, but... Uh, that kind of echoes back to, like, remember my original idea for the fucking sequel trilogy? Um, it's an odd way to end nine films. But, like, I always... Again, I, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I always thought, because there's a deleted scene in The Last Jedi that really drove it home where Finn is talking to Phasma during that fight when the ship's falling apart. Oh, right, right. And he's like... I'm in charge now, Phasma. Did you tell tell any of these of your troopers how the Starkiller base got destroyed? You Mm. turned on the first order. Yeah, and then she shoots them all. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of see the stormtroopers getting independent thought. Finn's very much an independent stormtrooper. Mm -hmm. I always thought the way to bring closure to nine movies, to bookend the whole thing is to have a character in the ninth movie, either Ray or more likely Finn, broadcast a signal to, like, the fucking First Order and just be like, you've been you killing people, marching across the galaxy and enslaving folk for these fucking theocratic evil dudes with red swords. You don't mm-hmm. believe in their fucking force bullshit. They're ordering you to die. Mm-hmm. First we were clones, we were slaves, then they just started you know, taking us off planets and they were brainwashing us. And you could have a direct parallel to the Order 66 scene where all the troopers just turn on their Imperial yeah. commanders and they're like, surrender. Like, but they can't, right. they can't break up the First Order and the uh, Resistance because they already realized getting rid of the Rebellion and the Empire, they're like, fuck, we need to make new versions of that. We have a Disney theme park. We have dozens of years of movies ahead of us. This isn't going to end with any kind of end 
of the political structure of the galaxy. I feel like it should at least have... Because they keep saying that this one's going back to this Phantom Menace. They keep saying that this is going to have... You know, JJ's like, oh, we tie the prequels in. It's going to bookend the all nine movies until the, Star Wars, the Skywalker saga is complete. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well... It, you gotta have some form of closure if it just ends with and the Star Wars continue I kind of feel like it's going to because they have to think about the Disney streaming service they have to think about future movies maybe they'll just do an ending like remember the Matrix the third one it kind of ends with like is there peace and it's like oh kind of honestly if that rumor ends up being true and god I hope it isn't because that is the worst thing I can imagine uh, I, I gotta remember the other points from it because listening to all the points from the potential leaks I'm like holy shit but this is also thing, coming from the same camp who told us that this first shot of The Force Awakens was going to be Luke Skywalker's severed hand floating through space. But it's also coming from the same user who leaked a lot of uh, Episode 8 content. So whether or not someone hijacked his name, or if it's the same guy working somewhere in, in Disney, I don't know. Hmm. But uh, I can't imagine this whole nine films ending with with the MacGuffin being... And it sounds perfect for J.J. Abrams, the mystery box, because you're not going to know what it is until mm-hmm. the end of the movie. You're like, oh, she was after a signal to broadcast Luke Skywalker saying, brush your teeth. But if the whole thing ends with that, even breaking it down, it's like 10,000 or 1,000 generations of peace, 17 years, 18 years of war, toppled empire, some little group of Nazis come back and then immediately take over the universe again, have five years of evil, and then they broadcast a message. Even if they wrap it all up, that's still ridiculous. Even if the First Order does end at the end of that movie, you're like... What? It's been like 60 years of imperial ruckus, man. Like, what do you want? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So how long... And it would have been 30 years since the fall of Palpatine. He was in power for well, about I'm thinking 20. Like, I'm thinking, like, if we're doing all nine movies, I would... To me, the whole conflict begins with the Sith revealing themselves at the Star of Phantom Menace. Yeah, and then it would end... Like, that's Palpatine's first move. Like, I'm going to blockade my home planet so I yeah. get the sympathy vote and become Chancellor. Yeah. So then you end it with, like, these... Star Wars are over now. <laughs> After 60 years, finally, this Star War is fucking finally over, you know? I hope so. I don't know. I think I think ending it, like, I think bringing peace back to the galaxy would make the sequel trilogy seem like this bizarre hiccup where the galaxy went from peace to war to peace but to a minute of war. that what it's been so far anyways? Oh, the whole trilogy I mean, yeah. has been just this fucked like, up pickup? Again, as of right now, i said it before and I'll say it again, but like there really was no point to Luke leaving Tatooine at this point. No. Like when he was on Tatooine, the Empire controlled the galaxy and was enslaving thousands of planets. Now it's back and to now them. after he's left, Tatooine died and, you know, had that weird fling with his sister... The Empire controls the galaxy yeah, and the it's first killing. Order. Yeah, it's it's the same story. It's a shame they couldn't come up with better names too, because there's nothing as classic as Rebels and Empire. First Order and Resistance is like is like some sort of hidden Nazi guard and a French revolutionary. It's and they sound backwards to me. The First Order and the Resistance. Like, what are they resisting? Shouldn't the other one have been the Resistance? Yeah, yeah. and wouldn't the First Order of the Rebellion make a lot more sense? To protect against any future tyranny? Yeah. Yeah. What do I know? <laughs> I'm not writing this shit in game paid trillions of dollars. Oh, it's all, this whole trilogy has been stupid. This, they remade they remade Star Wars and then they made uh, Star Wars again, but then just did literally the exact opposite for all the payoffs and mm. called it subverted expectations, which is now overused to the point of nauseum. But which kills me because it's like again I've said it before I'll say it again, dude. This movie should just be Star Wars Episode Nine, as I was saying. Yeah, like it really like everyone after all their shit was like, well, the fans are toxic. It's a fan base. Boo! Look what they did to Kelly Marie Tran. They're clearly like so. 
we're going to go back to exactly what you guys wanted to yeah, see in the first yeah, place. Yeah. Please come see this movie. Well, it's great. I don't know if they're leaking this information to try and get the audience back on their side, but just the the, the story's now coming out that J.J. Abrams did write treatments for all three films to have one big story, and then um, Ryan Johnson started writing his film before he even finished yep. it, so he just threw out anything J.J. had to say. He met with him once and said no to all his ideas, yeah. and then just did his puffy little folk singer California douchebag version of Star Wars that like that's like Kathleen Kennedy should have been fired from that move and what I don't get about it is that it's really obvious especially when you see like the Knights of Ren are smacked right in the first trailer and all Mm -hmm. this shit I'm like, okay, so now you're just fully going back to the Force Awakens storyline exactly, so it's like can you can you at least acknowledge (laughs) the fact that maybe just maybe you didn't have a plan for any fluidity from 7 at through all. 9. It's no. okay. You can admit it at this point. There's an outline for part 2 and 3 with J.J. Abrams wrote, but that was it. What, Just a little outline. What drove me nuts is what you see a lot now is people being like, oh, the fan base is so toxic. I'm like, okay, three movies came out in the early 2000s that were pretty unwatchable, and we all went, they made a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and we all unanimously sat around like, listen, they're not for everybody, but hey, they're Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't love them or hate them. It's Star Wars. All of a sudden, this movie that's a little off probably has, like, the same tone. I, I wouldn't say it's any worse than the prequels. I wouldn't say it's any better. It really falls into the same box for me. Last Jedi, yeah. For some reason, gets these polarizing reviews. It's just the age we live in now. Exactly. That, that's never come up before. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 2005 mm-hmm. is when The Revenge of the Sith came out. And everyone's just like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, last night, oh, the fan base is toxic. I'm like, is it? Or is this damage control? Mm-hmm. Because it's really oh, easy that's... for studios just to go out on the fucking American and be like, oh, you're just sexist if you don't yeah. like Ghostbusters. That, that's exactly what it is. That's a tactic now. Yeah. You have a shitty movie, you have to claim that if you don't like this movie, you're a sexist or a you're homophobic a or a racist yeah. or something. But I always felt that the, the, the signpost of a true fan was that you held your fandom, the thing you were a fan of, to a higher account. Mm. Like, you were more apt to sit around and bitch about the new Star Trek movie rather than just, like, love it unquestionably. Yeah. And so now we've reached an age where it's like, love it unquestionably numbers have risen. People who bitch about it have risen, but then the love it uh, unquestionably people tell these people that they're toxic. Yeah. It's like maybe one out of a hundred or a thousand of those assholes is going online and saying actual sexist, racist shit, but yeah. most of them are just like, this isn't a good movie and I want to bitch about it. And again, it's not the first one. It's kind of like, right. I've, I've walked this road before. I don't right. really care, but the people were like, no, I, I right. adamantly have to defend this. There's been nothing like this before and you just don't understand it. I'm yeah. like, really? It's so much fun to sit really? around and bitch about episode two. Yeah. You know, it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a weird thing right now going on with that franchise where it's just kind of like, it's a weird thing going on with the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, for me, you know, again, everything comes back to Star Wars. So it's kind of weird that it's, it's crisp. What's the word? Were, crystallized. It crystallized in that fan base a lot. Where, like, we were saying at the top of the show, you saw a kid with a Star Wars shirt. That was your new best friend when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. I see twenty people with a Star Wars shirt every fucking day now, and I'm just like, I, I don't really no. care to talk to any of you, like, because no, the last. The worst. Well, no, and also Last Jedi is going <laughs> to come up, and I don't want to talk about yeah. it. Like, it's yeah. it's no longer fun to talk about. But also, it's sort of like it's sort of like back in the day, everyone would wear a baseball hat because that was the social norm to do, even though they might not follow baseball. Mm. That's now true of nerd culture. So it's like just because you're wearing a Captain Picard shirt does not mean you're going to be the type of person who would wear a Captain Picard shirt 30 years ago. Right. You right. probably just bought it because your girlfriend liked it. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just going to be. It's not. Doesn't have the same connections anymore. But it's funny, to me, it's like two echo chambers bouncing off each other, and then when they vibrate against each other, it's like that space whale from Star Trek <laughs> Three going, hi, and just destroying the planet. Because 
there's like there's a line in Cap in uh, X Men Dark Phoenix where uh, Mystique says, you know, the women around here keep saving all the men's asses. Maybe you should call it the X-Women. And feminists are going, fuck off with your pandering. But there's this whole group going, oh, if you don't like that line, you're sexist. Mm. And so the two echo chambers just bounce off each other, enraging the other one, yeah. and forcing each side into the more extreme accusations towards the other. Yeah, yeah. When you can just objectively sit back and go, that was a bad movie. That was a pandered line yeah. for, for feminism or whatever. Yeah. Like, you could just look at that and go, that's what it is. But you're not allowed to anymore because everyone screams so loud. And also, like, on both sides in terms of the filmmaker's creativity and in terms of, like, the way we receive stuff, that's received uh, pop culture now, there's no subtlety to it. No. So we have to beat you over the head with this message. It's right in your face. And if you're like, I think that's a little in your face, you're like, fuck, fuck you. you. I love it. It's like, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> uh, like, it's all or nothing now. I get it. The whole world has become GIF versus GIF. <laughs> yeah. Where it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. just so ridiculous. But, um, and just uh, one off topic note about that line from the X-Men movie, it makes me sad that people working on these movies don't understand that the X was to replace W and nothing, because it was men, women, X-Men. They're not men, they're not women, they're, they're mutants. mutants. And to not... X-Men, genetically. <laughs> to not get that when you're making an X-Men movie to, in order to like facilitate some cheesemo line you're meant gonna... to like... You're going to start a wave of women who are like, you're right. Half the word of woman is men. And we want, that's misrepresentation. Already a thing. Get out. What are they identifying as? Uh, women, where it's W-O-M-Y-N. That's not why I've been saying that. Women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mankind. I wonder if that's going to change. Humankind? It's still got man in it, though. You gotta change human. Human. human with a Y. Human. Human. Like hy- Hymenkind. Yeah, and then humankind. 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 <laughs> Are you happy now, everybody? Can we go back to the larger problems at hand? Like global poverty and fucking disease and like a measles outbreak and the fucking opiate crisis? No. We still gotta fucking pick whose sign goes on the bathroom door? Okay, no, that takes priority. I'm sorry. I like the sign. I'm sorry. Or no, the Larry David approach to the bathroom thing where it's like, whose idea was it to put us all in the same room in the first place? Why don't we just have individual bathrooms that anyone can use? No one likes going to the bathroom next to another person. Nope. (laughs) This should be a way to move society forward in a different but way. But Carson, that's not feasibly economic. Like, I understand Larry David's going for comedy, but I gotta fucking look at this from a feasible point of view. It's just that that's economically I would unsound. take just like plywood between the stalls and then a hallway and a door for each stall. Yeah, I guess that would work. I would be happy with that. that it's work. so gross going in public bathrooms. No one wants to, and is it something women don't have to experience, no one wants to go in and see a trough of dicks just pissing and splashing oh, everywhere. God, there was one time I was at the Budweiser stage and the Budweiser <laughs> stage mad- madhouse like it's a big u-bend all the wall is just that b- giant urinal trough where it's like a metal uh, slab yeah. with water running uh, down and there's a trough so by your feet gross. and then the inside was a sink basin with a similar setup right but it was so packed it was during a mastodon slash alice in chains show and people were so drunk that people were just pissing everywhere because everywhere, there's drains in the ground mm-hmm. so there was like a s- solid like eighth of an inch of piss on the ground fucking animals and i was like this is why people don't like our gender like for god's sakes man this is why the rest of the universe won't contact us yeah but anyways pissy troths aside if you were to to what was whenever you first thought so like your idea for the prequels okay is is this post movie release or is this pre-movie release when you were just speculating post-movie release okay this is before the movie came out i had no idea 
I was assuming there was going to be Clone Wars. I assumed the clones were going to be Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had no fucking clue. But then after Revenge of the Sith came out, I remember just sitting and going, what would I do? And literally, that was 2005. So in 15 years, I've just been, like, back of my head. Like, what would I do? Mm-hmm. And I've never, like, cemented it or sat and wrote it down or anything. I'm not much of, like, a fan script person. But um, essentially, it would start with this crew of, like, miners or whatever or down on a planet and orbiting the planet in their ship is this kid called Anakin. So wait, it's all children? It's all just a group of little kids? 20-somethings. Oh, so they're not minors. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Q rimshot. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so there's something. They're down there mining ore, doing some bullshit, you know, bottom-of-the-rung work, you know, like digging up oil or something, space oil. And Anakin's just in the ship around this and you never hear Skywalker you just hear Anakin sure that's a way to preserve the, the reveal sure because you never hear Anakin uh-huh. until Return of the Jedi and just as they're out there all of a sudden this massive force because they're right on the edge of known space right mm-hmm. near the unknown uncharted regions and there's this massive army starts moving in and just obliterates everyone on the planet shoots at Anakin's ship he just narrowly escapes and jumps to hyperspace mm-hmm. crash lands on the planet of the Jedi so he crash lands and goes, oh, some shit's coming, we need to go and take care of this. Meets Obi-Wan, who's like, oh, you're strong in the force, or whatever. I can send something off you. We'll go and talk to Yoda. And then all the Jedi are like, we're peak keepers. For 10,000 years, we've been keepers of the peace, but we're a symbolic good now. We're living in an age of enlightenment and peace. We're not going to get involved in this. This could just be bullshit anyways. If they call us, we'll go and answer. Mm. But as for now, we're just this race of samurais who just sit and meditate and learn about the Force because they've been at peace for a thousand generations, right? right? So not a lot for the Jedi to do. And so uh, Obi-Wan goes against Yoda's uh, order to take Anakin and fly to, say, Coruscant or the capital. And from there, it's just a Star War of this fleet coming in and attacking Coruscant and really fucking them up, but ultimately losing. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden... The capital's been war-ravaged, and the whole line from the unknown regions to the capital's war-ravaged. So suddenly we've been thrown into a post, like, it's basically like Japan after the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. And out of the shadows comes this character who was was like, they took me prisoner when they first showed up, and it's Palpatine. Mm. Just playing both sides. From day one, he is, he's just a Sith Lord working his angle everywhere he gets. He's gotten these assholes to just fly in and attack these threats. He's probably set it up in some way to get them to even come in the first place, but all I wanted to do was to lay a lot of waste to the regions and get himself installed as an advisor right. at higher-up levels to talk about these potential attacks coming right, from right. these guys. And so the next film would have just been Palpatine slowly kind of like using the fear of war, kind of like after 9-11, yeah. to, for everyone to sign away their rights and working his way up, maybe even becoming like a vice president or a vice chancellor sure. and just moving his way up the, uh, up the ladder. And it would have just been adventures of Obi-Wan and Anakin, who Obi-Wan took on Anakin against Yoda's approval, and they've kind of had to bring the Jedi back in to kind of try and keep, like, the peace for this ravaged system. Right. So it's just the Star Wars are mostly just, in that sense, it is kind of political, where they're just sort of like, okay, Coruscant's half burnt, and there's starvation now. There's the first time in centuries there's people dying of disease and starvation from everything that's been destroyed. And then the third one 
would have been the Clone War, where these factions have now devised off out of the ashes of the Old Republic and are now warring for control of it. Right. Emperor Palpatine's on one side who fashions an army, the clones are on the other. I hadn't really worked out exactly where the clones right, come right. from, if they're going to be an outside force or whatever. And, uh, and like, half, maybe even at the end of the second movie or halfway through the third movie, Anakin is just unceremoniously sort of killed off. And so in the next film, all of a sudden, the Emperor this reveals himself as this evil little creature. Maybe he was even using, like, f- the Force to disguise himself from everyone. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, the, he drops the Force, and you see he's this withered little monster. And he's just a dark side user. He uses lightning, he uses manipulation... And uh, there's this guy called Darth Vader with him, and he's going down and hunting, and he, the Emperor realizes, oh, fuck, the Jedi are our biggest problem. Yeah. So he's sending out this character, Darth Vader, to hunt them down. There could even be a moment of acknowledgement of Obi-Wan going, oh, it's you. Right, yeah. Something. Yeah. And then it ends with, uh, and I, oh, yeah, right, and uh, Obi-Wan, or Anakin from Episode One has a wife and kids. Because mm. this whole sexless Jedi thing never made sense to me, especially considering they're based off samurai. Right. Who had families yeah. and were allowed there to do these things. There was guns for hire. Right. So, then um, they protected the Emperor. They protected the Emperor of Japan. They mm. were his personal army against all the ninja. Right. But, uh, who were the Sith? <laughs> but, um, shit, where was I? Oh, yeah, so he has a family, and the kids could even be alive, maybe one or two years old in part two. Right. And as soon as Obi-Wan realizes oh shit, it's you, he goes and puts the kids into hiding. Right. And you could even kind of hide that again so that the Luke, I Am Your Father reveal is yeah. still potent. You can yeah. hide it that he's just like, there's now an empire, you were, you're high up people with children you yeah. need to go and hide you somewhere. And that would have been my trilogy, I think. In, in essence, that's the elevator pitch for right. my trilogy. Obviously a lot more threads and things. Right, right. No, that's good, man. I like the whole idea of like, and what I love about that is that there's a driving force through the whole trilogy. There's mm. a constant threat that's like, constant, that's there that the whole time. The whole time. And you get to see this Grand Republic break down from the inside, mm-hmm. the way George Lucas wanted. Right. But in, a, I think, a little more interesting of a way. Right. Rather than... I don't know what mysteries that were only answered in novelizations of stories yeah, set yeah. between movies. Who the fuck was Darth Sifo-Dyas? <laughs> or Master Sifo-Dyas? But yeah, that's my elevator pitch for what it would be. Obviously needs a lot more fleshing out. Right. It's always been that's a cool idea. idea. Mine's not as in-depth. Like, honestly, I would just, like, the couple things I would have thought of was just, I remember thinking, why didn't you just have Anakin and Obi-Wan mm-hmm. be Master and Apprentice right off the bat? Mm-hmm. He has to go against Yoda at some point. Oh, who yeah, was that? Uh, Obi-Wan in order to train Anakin, because he does straight up say he went against Yoda to train Darth Vader in the original trilogy. That's the I thought the line was, I thought I could train him better than Yoda. I don't think they ever say he oh, went against you're right. it. I thought I could train him better, as well as Master Yoda. Yeah, I was, I was wrong. wrong. So it's never said that, like, An- I, I never, I, until the Revenge of the Sith, I was like, has Anakin even met Yoda? Like, have they ever had a face-to-face? Yeah, We've never yeah. really seen him interact. Yeah. Which was always so very weird to me. I'm like, Darth Vader knows Yoda? Like, this is getting weird. Odd. Uh, the dude who built C-3PO also knows Yoda. Fine, this whole galaxy's eight people. I get yeah. it. But I would have their relationship built up in the first one. The war I would use as the Star Wars would be the Clone Wars. I'd just have them fighting a bunch of Mandalorians, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Yeah, let's work that into mind, too, because yeah. he's got to fight Mandalorians. Like, that's, they said since day one, those are the clone troopers. They tried to fucking have their cake and eat, too, but like, no, these stormtroopers look kind of like Boba Fett helmets. And I was like, mm-hmm. whatever, fine. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to do it. All clones of Django. Yeah, and they fight for the Republic. They didn't really fight the Jedi whatsoever, but whatever, mm. fine, fine. <laughs> um, I would have had a similar thing where you kept the identity of Darth Vader a little bit anonymous. My, the way I always pictured it in my head was the 
what do you call it? You just do it in the opening crawl. Mm-hmm. Like, like Anakin, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Anakin has been, like, like uh, Obi-Wan's apprentice Anakin has been killed by a mysterious new fucking... Oh, Sith. Yeah, yeah, maybe have him, yeah, survive to the end. You don't need to see it, like... He's the Clone War of the yeah. Emperor 2 and then Part 3. Like, you could even have, like, the second movie end with, like, I don't know, dark, like, like you said, Anakin's ship going down. Mm-hmm. We never see him die, but we just hear that, like, like maybe the Jedi have to leave him behind on a mission. Like, yeah, and then to, the opening crawl is that suspected to be dead. He's suspected to be dead, but also this new force is mysteriously rising yeah. out of the east, led by this, like, a shadowy new Separated figure. Separated by a paragraph, so no one makes a connection. And yeah, who's hunting down everyone. Yeah. And again, I always picture the scene similar to you where Obi-Wan just sees him and just being like, has that look of recognition you just hold on it yeah. so you call back to it when that moment in that Star Wars reveals like I sense something I haven't sensed since yeah, you know yeah. and that reveal still works and everything yeah. so I, again I don't have as much coherence I haven't thought about the politics of it all or anything I like I don't even know if I would have made Palpatine so central to it no, I no. would have had him just sort of like it's not. I get that he's supposed to be Caesar, but it's not Caesar's story. Yeah, yeah. So, but he should be in a a role of importance, but not a lead role. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So he's always slithering around in the background. Right. It makes his reveal in the third movie. That's right. But instead, we got <laughs> underwater palaces, uh, Jewish junkyard owners. That's correct. Uh, Asian alien um, treaty breakers. That's correct. Um, Rastafarian frog people. Greg Proops, as in two-headed pod racer, alien sportscaster. Did you ever see the interview with George Lucas where he's like, I don't understand what what kind of sick minds would have to come up with the fact that his his ears are dreadlocks? What does that even mean? And it's like, you literally animated him like 1920s movies with black guys in it. It's like Charlie Chan-level... Like, ooh, you're gonna do this shit. And it doesn't There's help. no way you accidentally did that. I'm trying to think, like, other than the Kingsguard guy, Panaka. I'm like, is like it's the only other black character in the movie, and you had him do that shit? <laughs> like, what are you thinking, dude? Do you remember that Panaka was supposed to be the guy with the one eye patch in part two and three, but he wanted too much money? The New Zealander guy. Uh yeah the, the the only black guy from part one yeah he was yeah I remember he's supposed to be Captain Eye Patch from the second yeah, one yeah but he wanted more money than they were willing to give him can you imagine the audacity of being like Star Wars is about me yeah it's like you have three lines <laughs> and also do you see your character's name in the credits of the original trilogy yeah. how valuable do you think you are yeah, yeah you're really like banking on some weird hopeful negotiations with your uh, agent you can't take her royal highness there if the huts found out again yeah. he's like crush that take. Who else? There, there are a couple characters they didn't recast. They just replaced because he was one, and he got replaced with Captain Eyepatch. Uh, wasn't Kira Knightley's handmaid in another one? Yeah, but it was a di- well, it was a different handmaid. It was Rose Byrne in the second one. Yeah, who got uh, blowed up at the beginning. Yeah, uh, uh, she no, she's the second handmaid, and whenever they're leaving, uh, I'm more worried about her. That one. Yeah, that that's uh, that's uh, what's her face from like yeah. And the bridesmaids and all that. Yeah, Rose okay. Um, and uh, X Men movies. As oh well. my god! Yeah, she's yeah. Moira. She's, she's Moira, Moira McTaggart. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and that's another thing that kind of sticks out about them. I mean, like, there's no through lines. Like, do you even need to watch Phantom Menace to watch Attack of the Clones? No. Like they some they catch you all up. Like I haven't seen you in ten years. I haven't seen you in yeah. ten years. Ten years ten ago years. when Darth. Like there's now like, count the number of times Attack of the Clones. They just say ten years ago. Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. You don't really need to watch that's it. That's what an opening crawl is for. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It it it. That was a chair. I swear. It um. It. I don't know. Episode one has not. Hey, but on that note, fucking Darth Maul. 
That's, yeah. He's got, he's like, you know. Before, Why would you have killed him off? Because he had robot legs. But that didn't happen until Solo, a Star Wars story, like 40 years later. Yeah. What, from George Lucas's perspective, like, let's go into his mindset and say, okay, it's 1995. I'm writing episode one. Why would you kill off your main antagonist? Like, wouldn't, shouldn't he have been if Christopher to, Lee role in the next two films? If I had to... And, like, trust me, I played that scene. As much as I love Christopher Lee, I played that scene in my head a trillion times of fucking Obi-Wan and, like, the, the what if I told you Kenobi the Jedi reveal? Where he held a prisoner on Geonosis? Oh, yeah, yeah, That yeah. scene. Imagine how much pertinent it would be if it was Darth Maul. Imagine how... He walks in and he hasn't seen Obi-Wan in ten years. Yeah. And he's the one who tells him, like, he's my master's one... controlling. Like, like yeah, you know that, right? Yeah. Like, if you figure that out. And imagine how much more potent it would have been of Anakin cutting his head off. In yes! Yes! Like, you killed Qui-Gon, who was Obi-Wan's master, yeah. so Obi-Wan's apprentice kills you. It would have made way more sense. Wait, I thought Yoda was Obi-Wan. Oh, never mind. But I think, though, if I had to <laughs> guess, the only reason they did it was to feel because it is that's one through line through that trilogy is that Palpatine is kind of like always looking for the hot girl at the party. At first, it's this horned apprentice with a double blade lightsaber. Christopher Lee. Then it's this charismatic political leader, and then he's just like, "But wait a minute, this Canadian boy, my God, he's so strong with the force, so he's constantly just bumping dudes off to get yeah. to that Canadian." boy. You know what? But that, then I, that feels like it falls apart structure or narratively when after the Canadian boy is so mortally wounded, he can barely do anything anymore. That Palpatine didn't go. Well, because he didn't bank on that. I think he banked on fucking. Why did you find another? person like clearly he's he good did. At he, well these. i think i think the idea was that like vader was so strong well anakin was so strong with the force he was like i'm just gonna box this i'm gonna kid on the shelf until something better comes along and then sure enough his fucking kid came along he's like all right now i need his kid to kill this guy can you imagine if george lucas hadn't stepped in and destroyed return of the jedi's uh the character arcs from empire strikes back because remember darth vader was saying join me and we'll kill the emperor yeah and then the next one, he's just the Emperor's little bitch lapdog. Yeah, yeah. So basically, anything that Lucas has touched with Star Wars, other than the complete accident that was Star Wars, the first one. yeah, he just fucks it up. Yeah, he just fucks it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's one of those creators. I don't think you know why this is popular. I don't think you know why people like the yeah. thing you like. You know, I think you see things in this that no one else does. And and those is it microscopic? No, motherfucker, yeah. are you listening? <laughs> it's all about like human nature. It's like, well, no, it's the broad themes that makes it so appealing. Yeah. I don't know, it's so ridiculous. But having said that, um, I, I want to go out on this. Do you have any more of the of, of what your prequel trilogy would have been? No. Okay, um, I'm gonna go out on this by saying I am at war with myself over how much I hate Disney and how much I want to go to the Star Wars world. As horribly nerdy as this sounds, they actually, for the first time in history, have scanned from the original materials and designs Jedi robes. And I want wow. the fucking Jedi. They actually have little frills on their shoulder that they don't have on any other robe you can get that you never even, until you actually like freeze frame it, go, oh yeah, it kind of frills in a bit right there. Like it's completely screen accurate. They did a digital scan of all the original costumes. And they sell them there. Oh, and man. I just want that you Jedi know, robe. I didn't give a dusty fuck about Star Wars Land. Like, when they were building, like, you could see the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, yeah, whatever. They knocked mm. down a third of the park. It's going to be the most interactive experience. They're going to have things on Bluetooth on your phone. I'm like, I, I don't care. I don't care. It's like, it's Westworld, basically. It's cosplay. And almost. then I saw one video of four middle-aged men in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon having the time of their life. It was like a walkthrough. Can you imagine just hanging out next to a full-size Millennium Falcon? And immediately I'm like, I want to go on that. Because mm -hmm. I'm a big sucker. When, you've been to those parks. I love the suspension of disbelief that they do there. 
where all of it's staged theatrically. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if you, you peek behind the curtain, you'll see the hydraulics and stuff. But Disney's so good at making the 360 yeah. experience. You're so immersive. I've heard Galaxy's Edge... The it's way they built only twelve uh, uh, square. Um, it's only acres. two rides and like a couple. One was not even open yet. So, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently, from every angle, you can't see the rest of the park, so it's fully immersive. Yeah. Uh, there's audio playing of ships flying overhead mm-hmm. the whole time, so it feels like you're actually in the, like a Star Wars land. Twelve acres, so it's pretty little. But I hear the Disney World one's going to be bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of nuts. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Like the I'm... second I saw it, I was just like, dude, you get the chill in the fucking holding cargo bay of the falcon where yeah. the fucking chessboards and shit here's my here's my plan is that if the world hasn't gone completely insane if we haven't lost power or something by 2021 is i'm going to go to orlando to the orlando version mm. because by 2021 both the rides will be open it's a as far as i know it's a bigger space so it's it's actually pretty small when you see the whole view of, right. of star wars world and because they don't have a lot of space in california disney world they have all the fucking space yeah, in the world you could literally build like Hey, it's Magic Kingdom, Epcot, yeah. and fucking Star Wars yeah. land if you want. They to. got Marvel Land is huge. Um, <gasps> I forgot Marvel Land's coming. Yeah. No, I think it's already there. They've got the Guardians ride, but I think there's going to be way, 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 way more. more. Yeah. Um, and they're building a hotel, which is themed to look like a spaceport, so much so that all the windows are star fields. I really hope that's optional, though. I hope you can turn it off because just look outside. you just, just see the sun once in a while. But that's <laughs> when I want to go, because apparently all that will be open by 2021 in Orlando. So that's my plan. If the power grid hasn't shut off or some fucking disease hasn't killed us all by yeah. then, because everything seems to be snowballing in insanity right now. Right. So if 2021, my reward for the world not ending in some capacity will be to go to Orlando and stay in that hotel and buy a Jedi robe. I'm just imagining, like, the window. It is constantly, like, you're trying to sleep and just a fleet of X-Wings goes by and <laughs> tie fires and shit. I bet you it's an optional. I bet you it'll be, like, it floors be. 8, 9, and 10 are cosplay or, floors. And or, like, they'll have a switch. Floors. Like, do you want a like, normal window or do you just want the... Turn it off. Yeah. That'd be hard to do because I imagine they couldn't... It wouldn't just be a screen. I imagine it would have to be a window and then a screen behind to bubble out to create the illusion of distance. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how they're going to do it. I've just seen uh, design stills from it, and I'm like, that looks pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's pretty cool. You spend most of your time outside anyways. It'd be cool to sleep on a space station. I guess, yeah. Mm. That's my plan. I, I suggest that to anyone listening, too. Wait till 2021 and go to Orlando. Mm. Be bigger, better, and more shit to do. Totally. And I want that fucking robe. I was, whenever I saw the build a lightsaber thing and they had those organic ones that had like rancor teeth in them and shit, I was like, fuck off with that. Are you kidding me? Like, you know holy shit. kind of bugged me about that is like the rancor teeth and the leather and stuff is all plastic, but the, re- the other components are fake metal. Yeah. So that was another like, oh, right, again, that's why Disney gave Trump's more political money than any other politician in history because he deregulated all the, the plastics and shit. <laughs> yeah. And just sure. think of how much plastics and chemicals Disney uses. Oh, man. You're I'm thinking about all, all those droids. Like, how long are you going to keep your droid? I, it's cool as shit, don't get me wrong, but how long? You know how much it is to make your own lightsaber? 200 bucks. 200 bucks. 200 fucking bucks. To make essentially a bunch of tempered plastic. Yeah, but the the feeling you get. To, to, did you watch it though? That's the magic right there. I want. I think okay. So we're we're going long here. So I think we should end soon. But I can't go without saying watch the. Uh, there's one video of someone who filmed the whole experience of building a lightsaber. And it's the funniest thing ever because they need to get better actors in there. Because <laughs> the guy, it's like this pudgy little nerd guy who's like, the great lightsaber, the standard of the Jedi. 
here, let me help you make yours. And he's just so awkward as he's trying to deliver this lofty dialogue. And every once in a while he pauses because he has, he's clearly been instructed to meet, match the music playing. So he'll literally, like, he'll get ahead of himself and then have to, like, look around and then keep doing it. And it's the most embarrassing fucking thing I've ever... I just was, like, cringing for this guy. Yeah, I wonder if they have audition tapes for all the fucking cast members that they had to fucking give these roles. I really That's hope That's the best is. they could get. What they need is, like, an old man to actually, like, add some dramatic flair to it as he's describing lightsaber instead of, like, a pudgy 20-something being like, lightsabers are the king of the universe. And it's just so... <laughs> So fu- like I literally had my fist in front of my mouth, like cringing, going, the "Oh my god!" It was. It is the most cringeworthy thing you will ever see. If you can find on YouTube the the one of the piece people's. Oh, and the other thing I gotta quickly say. Remember when like Entertainment Weekly would send someone to cover a new event like yeah. this, and as horribly irritating as the people were, they knew how to do it. Yeah. Now they just invite YouTube stars because they're the new influencers. Oh, gotcha. So it's funny seeing these people like, oh my god, you see all this stuff walking around with their camcorders, just so fucking irritating, and then doing interviews with like the guy who designed the food and menu and the blue milk for the restaurant. Yeah. And she's like, that's not very good, and she's like drinking the milk, going, it has a slimy taste to it, but whatever, and like you have no camera skills. You're just used to sitting in front of your fucking computer and the guy who made the boots is like he's so awkward. Yeah, he's doing exactly that. <laughs> he's just going like, why am I talking to this bitch? Like, why the fuck do they not send a professional to interview oh me for this? Oh my god, it's so awkward. So yeah, go down the rabbit hole of watching shit from there because it's it's embarrassing or awkward. Hey, what's up? It's Roopstar Forty Nine. I'm here around with Galaxy's yeah. Edge Creator, head of design. He's just like, oh my god. You know, you I got know, up at five in the morning for this shit. Even if they had that kind of energy, it would make it better. <laughs> They're just clearly like so awkward. With no skills of interview. They never went to journalism school. They don't know how to do interviews. Oh, that's hilarious. It's so, so fucking awkward. And all the people doing the videos are the worst, too. Because they're all, like, the like uh, the chubby, nerdy guys who are a little too old to be quite as nerdy as they are. Right, right. And they're all, like, filming everything and talking about it. And people in the background are just like, what is happening? Why are you filming me? And it's so awkward. <sighs> it's, it's hilarious. I highly recommend that. <laughs> But on that note... There it is, man. Let's wrap it up. Big ol' wad of Star Wars in your ear. Happy 20th anniversary to a franchise that will outlive you. Outlive us all. You're going to die not knowing what happens in the next Star Wars movie. Yep. I don't care how old you are right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. That is going that's, to that's, that's one of the things you're going to have to know about yeah. the world. That's, that's, a, that's what a upbeat lesson. note to go out on, Carson. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure there's some like fantastic Star Wars music playing in the background. It'll elevate the whole thing right now. So, that's right. Yeah. Um, see you next time, guys. And may the force be with us all. <laughs>